You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Leonard on the far wing, working it into the body, downhill drive, splits the defense, right-handed layup for the claw, dissecting the lane for two. I honestly felt like they really cared a lot, and uh, you know, they want me here, and that's, and that's instead of needing me, so uh, it's, that was a good, that was pretty much one of the reasons. Good morning, it is Halford and Bruff Canucks. Talk edition here on Sportsnet 650. Mike and Jason leaving early for the holidays. So uh, they tapped us on the shoulder. Really true. Classic. Flexing their muscles as the morning show hosts. Taking off a couple days early. Uh, it's myself, Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drantz, who, of course, uh, you normally hear every day on Canucks Talk. We have been cruelly shifted to the morning. And boy, Shout it, out. Hits, it hits different on Sh- the first day. Shout out to all you morning people. You're the real heroes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we're here. We still have Andy Cole, A-Dog, Hello. behind the glass, and uh, producer Ben Bazrin. Good morning. Uh, here with us as well. So very, very exciting. Uh, we got a big show coming up for you today. Of course, we'll do what happened here in a few minutes. Are they still the dogs without Halford and Bruff here? Does everyone who comes in to well, fill in well, for Ben's one of you guys basketball become Ben? A dog? So it's just one dog. Basketball Ben and one dog. Is he like you're one of always the dog. should he be a Air dog. Bud? He's basketball. Like, <laughs> wow, that's pretty, that's good. pretty good. Hey, wow, Whoa. I'm impressed. Look at that. Are, See, we don't. I'm not used to this level of wit this early in the morning. <laughs> me. Can we can we talk about Air Bud? Are we going to talk about? Oh Air Bud right, a lot you, I forgot that Drance has Air Bud takes. I like got Air Bud strong takes for days. Air Bud takes. in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's up to you to decide. <laughs> like you like the movie or you don't like the movie. Um, it's not really about the. You movie, know, it's filmed here, say. right? It's filmed here. Yeah, right? I did know that. I mean, I, I filmed in North Van. Yeah, right at uh, was it Zelke Park? My buddy's really? dad yeah. was one of the state. He worked on the film, so I was an extra in a bunch of scenes. Which one? The first one. The first one. The most realistic one. <laughs> the one that we can at least like believe a little bit. Yeah, you know. Oh, I and remember your rare butt takes now. It is six oh three, baby. <laughs> here we go. We'll do a lot. Do you of, want it? Do you want to do your rare butt? Well, not right has now, problems with right the now. dog let's, playing basketball. Let's get no. I'm fine with a dog beating high school kids at basketball. Oh, okay. My problem is when they draft him in to be like the goalie in the final of the Women's World Cup and stop a penalty shot. He's multi-talented. So you're so and you're that's okay where with we draw the line. Yeah, you're okay with the, the He's basketball. A really good dog. At, at one point, at, at some point, you get to the to thinking about the physics of whether a dog could actually hit a ball and what would happen to a dog if they were holding a bat in their mouth, which they could not possibly do while looking at the pitcher. <laughs> And then actually connecting. He wins World Series MVP, A-Dog. Yeah, that's way way too unrealistic for me. Way too much. The How- basketball is one thing, but World Series, well, I draw the line there. Especially because he's just beating up high school, or like not even high school, like elementary school kids. It's like, yeah, okay, like he's a really good that's dog. That's true. He's I've a really good boy. bad elementary school basketball. Yeah, like yeah. I'm okay with that. But once you have him winning the baseball That's how the World movie was Series. thought up. You know, like they're watching their kids play, and the yeah. director's like, I bet a dog could You know what would kids. be better than this? A dog. <laughs> Let's get Fireworks. a dog out there. Let's make a movie out of that. Okay. 
Anyways, I do think that every time a new somebody new fills in for one of you guys, mm-hmm. like Ben is doing for Laddie here, right. that you have to think of a dog themed nickname. You're right. For That's them. a good Airbud's pretty good. Airbud is sick. You know, the, the, <laughs> Thank you. I will say too, like since I, I've been doing Airbud takes angrily for like ten years. <laughs> oh, we know. And the culture has shifted so much that like this time, for the first time ever, I had this thought in my head the that I was like, yeah, I will not for the first time ever. I had this moment where I was like, could you imagine like the Fox News coverage of Airbud playing in the Women's World Cup? That's that's how. So maybe we'll do some more Airbud takes later or not. Or maybe Who knows? Not. Maybe we'll just drop maybe it. We got early. him out. Yeah. We got him out early here. Uh, the official automotive sponsor of Alfred and Prof is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. We are live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, uh, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? And, of course, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. And as somebody has already texted in, um, if you if you feel like you are not getting your text read by Halford & Bruff for whatever reason, try your luck here. We don't know the, the morning crowd as well as we know our crowd at, at noon, so... You know, we don't have any preconceived notions about they how can, good they, they can be a little grumpy. How sometimes. good or bad your texts are. So hit us up. See if you've always dreamed of having your text read during the morning show. Uh, take your shot. Dream on! Yeah. Then dream on! <laughs> uh, okay, coming up on the show, Nick Shook from NFL.com. People will believe in Airbud, but not the Canucks PDO crazy world we live in, Austin and Langley. <laughs> there you go. Brilliant. See, Austin I was Langley. wondering how long it would take you to say PDO this morning. <laughs> Yeah, five Almost. minutes. Yeah, Just Ben and minutes. I have a drinking game going every time you say it. <laughs> Do you? Take a shot. So the second and third hour of the show won't happen. Very, Guys, it's 6 a.m. Come yeah. on. Very this professional. This a great show, boys. <laughs> what I learned today. Uh, Nick Shuck from NFL.com at 6.30. Saints Rams tonight. And then, of course, big weekend. Uh, as the season winds down, or starts to wind down anyways, uh, in the NFL with lots on the line in terms of playoff positioning. And, um, and all perfectly scheduled to cause friction with your family. Yeah, that's indeed, which a lot of football is, really. Uh, how I, You know, also text in, let me know how you approach it. And this isn't because I'm curious to read them on air. This is because I need help myself. Like, how do you approach getting to watch the games that matter to you this weekend? Because <laughs> I've been, like, dreading it. You know, I've been, like, okay, strategizing. Well, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm going up to Pemberton, and luckily my dad's coming with us. Mm-hmm. My dad likes football a lot, so, like, at least I can, like, lean on like yeah i'm spending time with my dad nice. you know like that helps but only it only helps so much like i can only i have to pick a couple select games that matter i spend uh i spend christmas day at my sister's place and with her family and, and my other sister and their family so we're all there and it's really clutch because one of my nephews has gotten really into basketball so it's right. great it's like yeah we're spending i'm spending time with my nephew watching basketball <laughs> on christmas day it's yeah. awesome so that was a big development for me that he got into basketball uh okay nick shook from nfl.com uh mike heika senior writer for DallasStars.com. the canucks are playing the stars tonight so we'll get uh the stars side of things from mike and uh, at eight o'clock thomas drance will join the show here on halford and Brock. But before we do that, let's tell everybody Who? what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened? Brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. Uh, we'll start on the ice. Light night in the NHL with only three games on the schedule. Probably the most relevant one from a Canucks perspective. Seattle beats LA 2-1, to one, which means, Drancer, that the Canucks are now ahead. Zero, zero, seven points ahead. Ahead of the LA Kings in the standings. By, by your point, favorite by, metric. By what matters. By point points percentage. percentage. Good. That's awesome. Now, now you need to win to keep base. Isn't that exciting? Real stakes. Imagine that. Hey, it also means that uh, should things go the Canucks way tonight, both against Dallas, but also between the Golden Knights and the Lightning. They so could if, be in first. They could be legitimately in first place yeah. in the Pacific Division by points, by points percentage, by any metric at the conclusion of tonight's games. Right. Which is fun. Which would be pretty remarkable. Just it's, as we all couple A couple, couple days uh, before the Christmas break here. Yeah. So, well, and then you have San Jose left on the schedule. Yeah. That's I mean, true. if you're Vancouver, you've got a real chance to send everyone in this city into the holidays with uh, with one heck of a present. Kings weren't very good against the Kraken. Honestly, like I didn't think the Kings were nearly as good as it might have looked if you just looked at the shot counter and Kings- were like, oh, Joey Decord stole it. Like, no, Kings didn't have their game. Kings have scuffled a little bit here after they were red hot. Yeah, but mostly they've played well, and it's just been... Like what happens over the course of an eighty-two yep. game season? Everyone except the Canucks, not for the Canucks. <laughs> but um, but last night they weren't very good, and the back-to-back out of San Jose, right? Like that. I'm telling mm. you, I'm telling you. Always pay attention. If a team's got the first leg of a back-to-back game in San Jose, and then the second in Southern California or in Seattle or in Vancouver uh, or in Vegas, something like that. Like that's always one of the worst schedule losses you can get. Because of the problems flying out of San Jose, because of the fact that you have to take the hour and a half bus ride up to SFO. It's just like always a late night. It's always a nightmare. Teams always really struggle. And and, and vice versa, if you've got the second leg of a back-to-back in San Jose, like when the Canucks lost to San Jose 4-3, right, and played awful, like awful hockey in the third period, mm-hmm. especially um, earlier in the year. San Jose, because of the airport <laughs> you can't fly in or out late. There's bylaws restricting when when people can fly in. Absolute nightmare to play in a compressed schedule uh, environment. Um, the other thing that was just notable for me about this one is, you know, even as of like three weeks ago when I was checking the NHL scoreboard or flipping around between other games, I was focused on the chasing pack for the Canucks, right? You know, the sure. teams, okay, like, because, you know, the Canucks were still in that 500 stretch and, you know, Minnesota had got the new coach bump and maybe Calgary had turned it around a little bit and that's what I was paying attention to. And now, I really think for the rest of the season, the teams you're going to be paying the most attention to by far are LA and Vegas. And we'll see if Edmonton can get in that mix with another incredible hot streak. The gap is huge between the teams at this point, but... Like, this is the type of scoreboard watching we're doing now, right? Like, hey, the, you know, the oh, Canucks yeah. have pulled narrowly ahead by points percentage of the Kings. I mean, that has, like, home ice advantage implications down the road, potentially, for these teams. And even two weeks ago, it was like, well, someone's going to have to run really hot here. I mean, that's the reason Edmonton's loomed large, is that we sort of buy. Like, you you can at least buy that the team with Connor McDavid mm. and Leon Dreisaitl can do something like, they can maybe play at 120-point pace over the rest of the season, you know? I don't buy that Nashville can. I don't buy that Arizona or St. Louis or Calgary or Seattle can. You know, like, uh, no. Like, 
the Canucks would really have to, at this point, it's just the Canucks. You know, like the scoreboard watching is worth doing with LA. It's worth doing with Vegas. Vegas. And other than that, it's just like avoid a massive, massive hole. For the Canucks. That's that's the rest of the season here. Those are the stakes. Uh, okay, so that was uh, Seattle beating L.A. 2-1. to one. Another game on the schedule last night in the NHL. Winnipeg beats Detroit 5-2. And I think the Canucks have quite fairly, because you look at their story as a team and so many of the individual stories on the Canucks, the Canucks have quite fairly gotten most of the attention in Canada of the Canadian teams for what they're doing this year, certainly as a positive story. I mean, there's been lots of attention placed on some of the negative stories from Canadian teams as well. But you look, and the Jets are quietly having a really, really excellent season, not where the Canucks are in terms of uh, in terms of points percentage or goal differential, but not far off either with 41 points in 31 games. They have the, their neck and neck with the stars for first place in the central. They have a plus 23 goal differential, which is the best in the division. You know, I was not particularly high on the Jets coming into the season, but, you know, you look at what Gabe Velarde is doing after coming over in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. He has three points last night. He's been on fire since getting moved up to the first line there. Yeah. Like, how good are the Jets? Are they, are they, they've really, they might be one of the teams that has really caused me to change what I was thinking about them coming into this season. Yeah, they are good. They are good. And one thing I'll say is the injury to Kyle Connor, one of my favorite players, that's sort of created this Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde mm-hmm. top line. You know, sometimes this happens by accident, right? Like the Canucks go on a 10-game losing streak. They're they're just Ali and Vigneault searching for answers. Alex Burrows with the Twins. Let's give it a shot. And then seven years later, we still remember it. Yeah. You know, like sometimes things happen. Kyle Connor goes down. Velarde, Ehlers, Shifley, especially because it sort of addresses a couple of issues that, that Winnipeg has had. Um, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, frankly, over the past few years, like Ehlers never gets enough usage. Well, all of a sudden they have like Blake Wheeler's gone. You've got uh, Kyle Connor hurt and and they kind of have no choice but to be like, hey, Ehlers is our first line. And guess what? Guy's capable of doing it mm-hmm. more than doing it. Guy might be better than Kyle Connor. Nick, At least they're comparable. Nick Ehlers is awesome. He's, he's unbelievable. A, he's a wicked player. He's the most underutilized superstar level player of the last five years. And guess what? When you utilize them appropriately, it's incredible. Mm. And then Velarde, I mean, Velarde's an exceptional two-way winger with a great shot. Like, great. <laughs> you know, if you're able to put a player like that with guys like Shifley and Ehlers, you might be onto something. Certainly looks like the Jets are. That line dominated last night. Like, two goals at 5-on-5, five 13-7 five, on the shot clock. Heavy shift after heavy shift. Uh, they were just in the Red Wings' end. By the right, by the way, the Red Wings sputtering pretty significantly. Yeah, since adding Patrick Kane, I know the Patrick Kane arbitrary endpoint gives everyone something to glom onto. And and Kane, I mean, everyone knows what I think of Kane's two way game at this point in his career. I'm not everybody, but like certainly, I said it a lot. I said <laughs> yeah. it a lot last year. Do you when, not care for it? I don't. I do not care for it. I, I think the he's idea the air, that he's like, the airbud of two way game. The idea that he was going to be a big impact player for a Stanley Cup contender this year, I. Did not see that. Well, but, but but last year it was accepted that like wow, what a big yeah. haul for the Rangers, and I was like, no, that's exactly what they don't need. Anyway, um, it's it's nice to point to, but but what's really happened is Detroit's shooting percentage. Well, I was going to say, and you know, I don't want to get into a big PDO debate right now, but for as much as people, oh, you don't, <laughs> no, I know, and I know I'm playing with fire here with you sitting next <laughs> to me, but. 
if you were going back like a month, and you know, as much as why do people only bring up PDO with the Canucks? Well, if you looked at any measurement, the Red Wings the were Red right Wings there were with so them. overheated. Yeah, right. And like, wow, they're off to this great start. But if you looked a little bit deeper, they were not controlling play very well. They were getting a lot of the same bounces the Canucks were. And what's happened is that's dried up. It's not because of Patrick Kane, <laughs> but he hasn't done a lot to arrest it either. But yeah, it's it's if you're looking for another example of this principle being applied, that's not the Canucks. Yeah, like look to the Red Wings of this season. Hundred percent. Let's talk basketball. <laughs> Hold on. The other thing I wanted to mention on the ice, I do want to talk a little NBA. You want to talk Ethan Bear? Uh, well, qu- I just want to mention the Capitals beat Quite the, the Islanders. Quite a juicy quote by you. Capital- it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Capitals beat the Islanders 3-2 in OT. I actually think the score is only notable because of what didn't happen, which is Alex Ovechkin scoring. Still stuck on five goals in 29 games at this point, and still, uh, by my math, what, 67 goals behind Wayne Gretzky for the all-time record. So... You know, that's uh, that's starting to become much more of a conversation than it was coming into this season. And you can he's look shooting and like, a Connor Garland like four point. Yeah, no, he's snake bit. So it's not as if he's never going to start start scoring again. He will start scoring again. But it's also a, a raw numbers and an age thing, right? Totally, like yeah. he, it's got to happen soon. The positive regression has got to happen soon for him to still uh, be in the running for that record. Uh, and then the other thing. I do want to play it, uh, Ethan. We heard it in the intro. We'll play it again. But Ethan Bear, not officially signing with the Capitals, but skating with the team and the team announcing, I believe, that they intend to sign Ethan Bear at some point in the future when he's uh, ready to get on the ice. And making and him available team. officially yeah. in like, team content. So <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that one's in the drawer. Yeah, I would say so. I would say he's good to go there uh, in Washington. And, you know, speaking to the media in an official capacity uh, as as a guy skating with the Washington Capitals, <laughs> Ethan Bear is official capacity. Oh, it is. It was like, it was like a scrum sure. arranged by the Capitals. Okay. It was. Speaking of my capacity as a guy. As a guy skating, skating with, with the Washington Capitals. Um, <laughs> That's had, too long for the Chiron, Jamie. He had this to say about his decision to sign with the Caps. I honestly felt like they really cared a lot and uh, you know they want me here and that's and that's instead of needing me so uh, it's that was a good that was pretty much one of the reasons so I've seen people interpret this as a shot at the Canucks and I I think maybe Canucks players maybe it's a shot at Canucks players (laughs) (laughs) let's just really stir it up and I think the thing is (laughs) they only wanted me back because they needed me like free agency is a bit free agency is a business decision I think in general we get way we read way too much emotional stuff into players' free agency decisions. This is like a raw business career decision for Ethan Bear. And I don't think he's saying he's mad at the Canucks. I think what he's saying is this was the best fit for me. Like they wanted me and that translates to opportunities and a better contract and a better situation for me personally. And that's what I have to that's how I have to make my decision. Like, I don't interpret that as like, oh, the Canucks really screwed up that relationship or he's mad at the Canucks or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he meant by it, but uh, I don't really see it as like a particularly pointed shot. I certainly don't see how you could interpret it as a shot at management. The only possible spin I can have, honestly, is like, you know, they. I didn't feel like they. I was wanted in the room. You know, but they would have had me back because they know they needed a right-handed defenseman. That's the only possible. Like, what could he possibly mean about the Canucks organizationally with that comment? That they that they wanted to reluctantly sign him. Well, why would they, they need, reluctantly sign him? Because they, they need a right-shot defenseman. Oh, because they need him.
Yeah, they need him as opposed to want him. Exactly. All right. So, like, connected to them deciding not to qualify him? Like, I'm just saying, I it's can't. It's all speculative, but, I mean, that's well, well, that's what people infer from the comments. That, that because they didn't tender a qualifying offer. Well, I think it would yeah. be like. Okay, well, that makes sense, though. That makes sense. If you yeah. if you non-tender a player, like, I, I was bringing this up. I was like, the fact that the Canucks are even in the running is impressive. Because players take it personally when they're non-tendered, when they're cut loose. You know, like that, I mean. And rightfully so. Bear would have cost two and a half million to, to qualify. Yeah, no, it was. And also the injury, right? I mean, if he didn't get injured, it would be maybe a completely different story. Well, oh, almost certainly it would Definitely would have been. Because yeah. they needed a right-handed defenseman for two and a half million dollars. But once he was injured, I don't think there was any way that could qualify him, right? Well, they could have. But They could have. They could have, but it wouldn't have made sense. I mean, uh, it would have made sense. Like, you absolutely can choose to do whatever you want. You know, like they they went out, they spent eleven no, no, no. million dollars. Yeah, no, but I'm saying to with the uncertainty around the injury, right? Like they needed, I think they needed that money going into the summer available, not on the shelf. Potentially they they, they used January. it. They used it well enough that certainly you wouldn't second guess the decision, right? But I mean, teams have teams make choices. You have choices like you would have signed him. You would have been on LTI. It's not like you would have even hit your books yet. Yeah, but you'd also know it's coming off, so it's not like you just have that money to spend. You know what I mean? Like he's you got to add him to the roster it, at some point. It would have been complicated too because you can only exceed the upper limit by a certain amount, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, nonetheless, I'm just saying it's impressive that they managed the relationship to the point where they were front runners ten days ago. You know, because because players do take it personally, so maybe that's what it was. But I don't. I, I just don't understand. Like I, I don't know. I don't understand what the. I, I I don't understand what the shot was. I don't really get the context of what he was yeah. saying. I mean, so, again, it's just I can't overreact to a quote. I don't understand, a dog. Oh, come on. My overall it's take fun. is it's fun to overreact. <laughs> Did I overreact anyway? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a measured overreaction. Players make though. decisions in free agency, and I I think it's a, a bit of a fool's errand to like read between the lines on every decision and say like, okay, what does it mean about my team that they went the other way? Unless there's something really uh, explicit, which I don't think there was there me from Ethan Bear. Okay, in the uh, in the NBA, because this is our chance to talk things other than the Canucks and hockey. I'm so it's very excited. exciting for us. We've got a football guest too. We have a football Let's guest go. coming up in a few minutes. But last night, uh, Joel Embiid drops 51 on the Timberwolves. And he the NBA. T-Wolves have like T-Wolves are a phenomenal defense. Go. Specifically on the defensive end with Rudy Gobert and of course Carl Anthony Towns. Like phenomenal defensive team. Gobert was all over. Gobert was all over um, Bam this week. Like just this week, we saw Gobert crush Bam Adebayo, who's, of course, the centerman who made it to the Eastern Conference Final. And then Joel Embiid goes in and just, like, suns the the T-Wolves. Maxi was great as well. The uh, The Sixers look amazing. Embiid has been on a tear. Also. Yeah. The T-Wolves began that game on an 8 nothing run, which meant I got the live spread. <laughs> Congratulations which means I to got, you. Which means I got the live spread at a very favorable number. Congratulations to you. Embiid has been on an absolute tear, and there was this idea coming into this game, like, oh, look at the, the schedule he's been doing against, which has been very soft. Like, they've played the Pistons a couple times and some other bad teams recently. Then he goes out and does it against, you know, probably the best defense in the league uh, this year and, and drops 50 and kind of puts that idea to bed. The fascinating thing for me is, of course, Embiid wins the MVP last year over Jokic, and if you read a lot of it was a bad call. Yeah. Like uh, especially a lot of the people more into the, like the statistical analysis of basketball will say no, like, it this was, is ridiculous. It was wild. The people were just going out of their way not to, to give, give it, it to, it to and then and then and then Jokic like went and did the thing where it's like, "Oh right, this guy's clearly the best basketball playing yep. human on the planet." 
and it doesn't really matter which way the MVP voters went. I actually think like if you were really stumping for Embiid and were that plainly wrong and like within five, like I would have felt the need to apologize. And the funny, but the funny thing now is that the MVP voters have really put themselves in a tough position because Embiid because so far this year he is the MVP. But it's like, well, we made a mistake once, and also are we going to double down and give it to him back to back? He's averaging thirty five. He's having a monster year. I know I have him in fantasy. It's fantastic. So do I. Um, the, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. In addition to the fact that it's like now Embiid deserves the MVP without question if, if voting were to be conducted today. And now, because he also flamed out so harshly in the playoffs, nothing he does in the regular season matters. He's mm. now in that zone, too, where it's like we need to see him not choke in the playoffs. And like... I usually defend the guys who get the playoff choker label because most of the time it's like, well, they're on a bad team or it's situational. Like, go look at Embiid's playoff stats for his career. It's not good. And go look at them the last two years in particular. Like, he was they, – they were attacking him directly, the Celtics were in Game 7 last year. Um, whereas whereas we have none of those concerns with Jokic. Like, it's it's such a weird spot that you get into when you don't just do the obvious right thing. Yeah, there's a cost to it. I, I I feel really bad for those for those voters. Uh, all right, we're gonna Let take a break here. <laughs> They're in a pickle. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Do you guys use this music normally, or is this like to make us feel comfortable? I'm doing it for you. Yeah, oh, I don't know what's going nice. on right now. I'm, I'm confused and afraid. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make it. them feel a little bit more comfortable. I was actually, I have, um, I'm, I, I usually don't like to give producer Dom Tremati credit for much of anything, but yesterday on the show in the rights free music library, he found like these hip hop remixes of like uh public domain christmas songs oh we know all about oh, it here. i was doing it yesterday morning yeah. Yeah. laddie's been doing it for i think so, two, two weeks okay. now so obviously the chagrin of the host laddie so yeah. there we go that makes more sense we were planning on playing traditional christmas music tomorrow so yeah, traditional christmas time. music the hip-hop remix any genre remix really mm-hmm. i'm good so yeah. yeah let's mix in the christmas music maybe a death metal christmas even for the rest of today i can uh, see it. i would love to hear that jam version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen yeah. again. Trance <laughs> is really into God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. That's your that's your go to. Well so it's just know. I like I like when Christmas songs include references to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's yeah. very touching. It touches my soul. I like it. <laughs> I like the one from Home Alone it goes dun 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 yeah, dun, 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 dun Yeah there we go. Me too. Yeah. And then and the Trans Siberian Orchestra version. I like how there's the, like a guitars. bass line too where there's just like someone with like a straight up Dikembe Matumbo voice who's like Ding dong ding. Imagine that's what you get hired for. That's your job. Okay, oh. we have one thing we need you to <laughs> <Yeah>. do. Ding <laughs> dong ding yeah. dong. That would be the best. I wish it's I had good, a deep enough good voice. Gig. Good work if you can get it. Oh, yeah. I wish oh, I had you're a... the ding dong guy. <laughs> <laughs> People say that to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, hey, ding dong. Different reasons. <laughs> uh, Halbert and Bruff brought to you by uh, the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari. Acura dealer today, also by North Star Metal Recycling. I'm, I'm just really happy that people are texting in 
fantasy questions? Yes, I know. I, I was thinking of you, actually, when people started texting him in. You must be so excited. <laughs> so thrilled. Look at this. Durant's getting his coffee brought to him. Oh, uh, no. Awesome. Um, so by high, the way, so thanks, high demand. Thanks oh, for asking. Come on. Thanks for asking if I wanted anything. By the way, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, you have coffee. Not anymore. I finished it. Oh, sorry, I would have got you something. Oh, if, I'm joking. If I'd care. asked. <laughs> uh, North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Eleven seventy Powell Street, and we are live. Of course. From the Kintec Studio, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? But but by the way, on Christmas music, really quick. Yeah. I've got some questions because I promised people that I'd share my Christmas playlist. Okay. <laughs> and, oh yeah, somebody was asking about that. The other yeah, day. I need right. It's a thing. So I need to actually like tomorrow. We need to like put some time aside and okay. talk and do my Christmas playlist. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, a Christmas playlist draft. Oh, Christmas now somebody did text draft? in that they wanted us to do because we did the Christmas things draft. Yeah, all things because we usually do a draft with Dimitri and I drafted God on Friday. Yes, <laughs> specifically was that, that first overall? No. Oh, I tried to take Christmas music first overall, and Drance was like, "No, you can't take all the songs. I want one song." <laughs> And then he drafted God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. I wouldn't say I had a meltdown, but I had a meltdown. <laughs> Where was Eggnog in the draft? It, no, you didn't go. No, didn't you take it? I thought you took Eggnog. Oh, yeah, I did take Eggnog. Wow, that'd, that'd be my first overall. I know. I'm a big Nog guy. Yeah, love the Nog. Light Nog with some spiced rum. Let's go. Oh, all about that Nog. Mm. I took uh, I took decorating the Christmas tree first overall. That's a good one. Thank you. That's Matt. okay. That's wholesome. You, you know yeah. what else? Mine was very wholesome. Very wholesome. I took Christmas tree. Christmas dinner and receiving, or no, giving presents. Demi- yeah. I feel that's Jamie, a lot. That's so Demi adorable. Took receiving presents. I feel like that's a lot more fun though. The dra- decorating Christmas tree, probably if you have kids, I would imagine. Yeah, but I, also it's just nice. I Who enjoyed like decorating the Christmas yeah, tree. I enjoyed decorating a Christmas tree with my wife and and my dog. <laughs> Airbud. <laughs> Could Airbud decorate a Christmas tree? Yes. Yes. Can I think your, can. Your dog drain a three. No. Oh, okay. No, my dog's pretty useless, but like he's a good <laughs> he's a good boy. Um so yeah, maybe we'll get into your Christmas playlist uh, tomorrow on the show. And yeah, I mean, look, keep texting in your fantasy questions. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's do it before uh, before we get to the whiteboard here momentarily because I think it's going to be a bit of an abbreviated edition since we're on the morning show and we did one yesterday and not a lot has happened in between right. <laughs> when we signed off yesterday and when we got on the air this morning. Uh, but we will talk about the game tonight. But somebody texted in, uh, starter sit tonight, Nakua or Alave. And this is relevant because I have literally this exact same setup on my roster. Now, right now, I'm going with Nakua and I have Alave on my bench. I think that's wrong. Ooh. I think you play. You think Alave is going to outscore Nakua? I do because I think that it's going to be a Kyron game. Like fundamentally, I believe that this is a Kyron game. He's like the guy I'd most want of those three Rams position players. Um, but I don't have any Kyron shares, unfortunately. Uh, and then I think that like we're seeing a healthier Cup get a higher proportion of targets. Like mm. I still think Nakua is a good start. Don't get me wrong, but I think the my my view of it is like. Of the Rams players, I'd rank Kyron one, Cup two, Nakua three, and then I get a little nervous because I think the Saints defense is a little bit soft right now. Like I don't think they are nearly as imposing as they were early in the year, and I think the game script is going to favor Olave, like fundamentally here. So, does how much does the calculus change 
based on the fact that I have Kyron Williams. Like, do I, does that push me even more to Alave? You well, know the, what I yeah, mean? No, no, no. Then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I yeah. would go for the correlation. You yeah. want, you want Kyron and then you hope that you get Olave back from a big Kyron game. Yeah. Chasing. And it's, and it's got the fourth highest, uh, it's got the fourth highest over this week. Like that game's a game you want shares in. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily hesitate to start all three, depending on your other options either. I, again, I like Nakua as a start. I just think you start Olave over Nakua given you know the shape of what's what's gashed the the Saints defense of late has been the run game and if the Saints defense gets gashed Olave is going to get his in the second half mm. uh all right we'll uh, we can do more uh, fantasy football questions if you have them text in 650 650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line but right now let's do the whiteboard all right now fellas hey let's focus up huh so uh if you haven't Listen to Canucks talk. And I mean, first of all, how dare you? No, no, no. Uh, but if you haven't listened to uh, Canucks talk recently, we've started doing the whiteboard every day, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. This is it for today, December 21st. And we'll run through a bunch of different categories, your headlines, uh, the rumor mill and the broadsheet, the lineup notes, gambling odds, playoff projection, all of that. We'll start with the headlines, which is the Canucks look to stay red hot tonight, wrapping up the road trip in Dallas against the Stars. And, like, have we moved past looking at this as a measuring stick game for the Canucks? Or is this still a measuring stick game against a team that, you know, went deep in the playoff last year, still in the mix for the Central Division for lead? The Dallas Stars. <laughs> I was going to say. No, I, I mean, the Canucks have played them. The Canucks have played yeah. them, and I think we're over, or we should be over, uh, you know, with the exception of like, honestly, with the exception of this team bumping into Boston, L.A., Vegas, you know, those those teams, I think, still think we would call measuring stick games like Carolina, New Jersey. But, uh, you know, Dallas, whatever, they've played them already. They beat them already. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at this point, the Canucks are kind of going to be judged against themselves here. You know, you win this and you're really one of the hottest teams in the NHL again for a second time with your only downstretch having been a 500 stretch. That's that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of the matchup between the Stars Pete and DeBoer, the Canucks. Pete DeBoer, shoot thing. from anywhere, yeah. plays into the hands of the Canucks. Against Thatcher Demko. And and yeah. look, against not just against Thatcher Demko now when we talk about the Pete DeBoer experience, but against the Canucks team that has really solidified their defense. And whatever you think about their status as contenders, I think one thing we've all been impressed with is the way the Canucks have limited grade a five alarm scoring chances against this year. The, their, their defensive play is absolutely excellent. And I, I thought it was really good against the Nashville predators for the first 25 minutes of the game. And then I thought they got a little loosey goosey and then they didn't pay any price for that. So, um, you know, the, well they did, but they <laughs> scored 15 seconds later. The Canucks defensive game is, is really solid. Um, you know, their goal scoring for me is way overheated, but I, I absolutely buy that this team is stingy defensively solid. Um, and, and that you need to be against the Dallas stars team that has a lot of depth can absolutely create, um, even if they don't always sort of prioritize quality the way some of the NHL's best offenses do. Yeah, but still a, a very deep team. As you said, the other note, the other headline going into this game is, uh, Jake Ottinger is week to week so yeah. we don't get the 
uh, potential American starters in a best on best tournament bowl between Demko and right. Ottinger, but plays in uh, to the Canucks' hands with Scott Wedgwood, I believe. I think, the start. Be, I think it would be Hellebuck who'd be like the guy to unseat. I think it's. It would really come down to like form leading into the yeah, tournament. Yeah. You know what sure I mean? Like Hellebuck might have the edge right now, but it's the kind of thing where like six weeks could easily undo it. It's oh, not, yeah. it, it's, it, it's not insurmountable or even close to it by any stretch. Well, uh, well I think what's clear is it would be those two plus Hellebuck. A hundred percent. And then, and then, you know, I, I do think form it, and, and on and on sort of matters from there. I just think like realistically, we know how national teams work. Like we've seen it with Canada. You kind of have to be unseated mm-hmm. if you're the guy, and I, I think Hellebuck hasn't been unseated because we haven't had any best on best, best on in best. far how, too long. So, so how hard long. is that for a goalie I, heading into the World Juniors as well? When you're like, yeah, you're going to be the starting goalie, but if you have one bad game, you're done. Yeah, it's tough, but also they're goalies; they're used to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like any goalie kind of knows the score that you struggle for two weeks. I mean, we saw it last year; like it didn't take a lot of struggle for Demko. To be losing starts to be Spencer going like fifty fifty with Spencer, Spencer Martin. Martin. Yeah, you know, like not even, not even you know someone really good. And and look, I I don't think that's different this year either. You know, like if if we see a stretch where Demko's uh, eight fifty, you know, he was eight seventy for a month. Uh, but but if we already this season, but if we see him go like lower than that, like an eight fifty stretch, uh, given how Dismiss playing, we're going to see Dismith get starts. I'd I'd be pretty confident about that. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, we haven't seen anything like that from Demko this season, obviously. No, yet. but and look, DeSmith has been really good as well when he's. I'm just making the point the that that's yeah. like always that's, how goalies. That's the life, I think, yeah, uh, of a goalie. In that's the why NHL. they're all so strange. So Ottinger out week to week. Uh, Wedgwood gets the start in Dallas. That's the goalie matchup uh, we expect to see in Dallas tonight. Do you have no, something else? No, I just. You know, I'm just plotting out all my golf references for uh, Scott <laughs> Wedgwood saves. Yeah. Um, in the broadsheet, the uh, the rumors and rumblings section, which is this is interesting. Now, I was hoping that uh, Elliot Friedman would publish his written 32 thoughts to this section of the show or even before we got on air. I haven't seen that yet. I would anticipate, although who knows here, I'm guessing that I would anticipate a note or some sort of mention from Elliot Friedman on Andre Kuzmenko and the Kuzmenko situation because he's been following that story. He's been giving us updates. You know, he's he's had the line of, look, as long as he's on the first power play, I don't think this is a real, like the situation is is too dangerous. But as I made the point on Canucks Talk yesterday, you know, if you're in the press box, you're not on the first power play unit. So that scratch feels like a pretty significant inflection point potentially uh, for me that, you know, this the scratch in Nashville for Andre Kuzmenko. I'm going to be very curious to see what kind of reporting, whether it's from 32 Thoughts, whether it's from you know Rick Dollywall or anybody else or any of the other national insiders we get on Andre Kuzmenko, because it does feel like another development or more reporting, at least, could be coming on that front at some point. Well, and, and what we'll really get is an evolution of the story if Kuzmenko is scratched tonight for the fourth yeah. time. And I, I think most of us, most of us, most close observers of this team really struggle to understand, like, how does... How does Kuzmenko get back in, given how all four lines performed against Nashville, given how much offense you got from the likeliest candidates, right, to mm-hmm. draw out of the lineup in, uh, to allow Kuzmenko the opportunity to get back in? Like, uh, Niels Mon, you can't take him out after a goal, surely. No. You can't take him out after the PK did good work. I mean, on and on. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, and it, it feels tough. 
and you know to transition to the lineup notes for today and the Canucks will skate in uh, in a couple of hours in Dallas so we don't have a, a sense of what the lines are but as you said you played really well in Nashville Does you- it's hard to see the coach wanting to make changes in that situation. Now, when you have a player making as much as Andre Kuzmenko does, maybe that changes the calculus a little bit. But I think the other thing is once you've set the standard that you're asking for from Andre Kuzmenko, right? And you're kind of saying, well, these guys are performing better at these things than you are. I think they give us a better chance to win. That's why they're in the lineup. How do you take those guys out when they haven't slipped from that standard, right? You're, you're compromising your own message of accountability so so key and to rick talk it's credit i think he's done an incredible job of delivering that message holding everyone to that standard challenging players rewarding them and acknowledging them when they get better when they improve in the ways he wants but you're really in this situation where i think you almost have to keep the lineup the same because it's not as if there was any glaring mistakes or guys slipping from that standard to come out of the lineup well said (laughs) i don't know i don't have anything to add i mean you know, I found myself just nodding along there. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, this all makes sense. No, I'm. I mean, the accountability side, the production side, the it, it, like you can't preach accountability and then be like, yeah, but we'll put you back in just because. You know what I mean? No, I. It feels like Kuzmenko getting Kuzmenko back in requires a compromise from Tocket, and I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy I want to be like. Hey, let's compromise. Let's compromise. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah, no. I never want to say those words to Rick, to Rick Tockett. Tockett. No. And, and you know what? I never will. So that's the uh, th- that's the big lineup question, obviously. In Meet York. me halfway here, Rick. <laughs> no, I don't like, think that would go no, well no. for a player. It's like... Like me, me halfway. Let's not do a puzzle. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, <laughs> can can I only scan the neutral zone sometimes? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Come on, uh, playoff forecast for the Canucks still. 97% chance to make the playoffs uh, per Dom Lucision's model at the Athletic. Now a 21% chance to win the division after LA lost last night. But still, the Vegas Golden Knights per the model, heavy favorites to win the division now at a 43% chance. LA at 34, the Canucks at 21%, and then still the bulk of uh, of probability has them finishing either second or third in the Pacific division. But really, and as I was saying earlier in the show, you know, the, the odds we're going to be tracking and the percent tracking here are much more related to how likely are they to win the division? How likely are they to finish second and have home ice? And actually right now they're at a, uh, a 50% chance, I believe to either finish first or second to have home ice. So, a coin flip chance for the Canucks, not just to make the playoffs, but to be hosting their round one series, uh, which would be pretty incredible, Dratzer. Pretty sick. That's pretty sick. And and sorry, you said 21% to win, to the, win division. the division, 29% to finish second. Yeah, unreal. So as we move to gambling odds, yep. we're, we're ready to do that? Let's do it. As we move to gambling odds, um, Canucks are plus 250 now to win the division. Kings plus 175. Vegas plus 105. So even though K- the LA lost... I think Vegas realized that there was significant inefficiency in the way they were rating the Kings because the Kings have actually dropped Interesting. from plus 275 to plus 175 despite getting a, despite a, a split. Loss. Well, despite getting a split right. in this home or this uh, this road back-to-back set, road home back-to-back set, whatever. Um, and, and Vegas was like minus 150 and have dropped to plus 105. I, they lost to Carolina. Like, that's not... 
enough, that shouldn't move your line that much unless you know that it was inefficient. Uh, plus 250 means the Canucks implied probability per Vegas of winning the divisions closer to 30%. So I don't I don't know that there's value there. I'd, I'd wait to see if the Canucks like sputter just a little bit and you, you can get them at like, um, you know, a plus 400 plus 450 at that at that clip. I like them a lot more. I, I don't think there's real value there to be had. Um, you know, Vegas, like the playoff forecast, has accepted that the Canucks are going to win the playoffs. We are finally, finally at the point where the Canucks are minus 1,000. So <laughs> we've gotten there. Yes. We've gotten there. It took They've a while. Bought it. They've bought it. It's happening. It took a while. So once you get to, you know, once you get to minus 1,000, just like so that listeners understand, Vegas, that, that's anything beyond that Vegas considers to be like a 10% shot, right? So this is 90%. I, I guess there's still value there relative to Dom's confidence interval, but but not a ton. But you're putting up a lot to, to win, make not a little, very much. Yeah. yeah. Which like if you have that sort of bankroll, good for you. Um, <laughs> and we just sort of go from there. Elias Pettersson, twenty to one. Quinn Hughes, twenty to one to win the heart. Jack Adams, Rick Tockett, huge favorite. James Norris, Quinn Hughes, still the favorite. <laughs> like you know, you go down the the awards. It's unbelievable. The Canucks are favorite for like favorited for like five, four or five of them. It's un that's completely unreal, unreal. And then odds haven't moved for the Canucks in Dallas plus one twenty five underdogs on the money line. Over under still at six and a half. I think it's fair for them to be underdogs. They're on the road. No, Tough they team, should. They should right? be underdogs. Like is this four? Is this four and six for them after the back to backs on the uh, on the weekend? So, do they have betting odds on how far they'd make it in the playoffs yet? Is that a thing? Well, one like, of those that come out. I mean, like, I guess you could predictions. Get, I mean, like to win the Western Conference or something. I mean, or, you could buy them. Yeah, you could definitely buy them to win the win the West. Um, you know, they don't have like exactas up yet. Once those are up, we'll we'll sort of see the. Um, the one that I've been so to win the conference. Here's the odds to win the Western Conference. Ready? Vegas favored plus four two five. Colorado second plus four fifty. Dallas plus five hundred. Winnipeg Jets plus five fifty. L A plus six hundred. Edmonton plus six fifty. Canucks plus seven hundred. So the disrespect. Well, no, and you know that's an interesting thing, right? Like Winnipeg's that far, like a couple spots ahead of the Canucks. Yeah, well, there's, but I think that's a, a, a division thing. Right, because the central part, is partly a division way thing. easier than the Pacific right now. Hundreds, well, partly a division thing. Although there's a ton of respect being given to Vegas, right? I mean, I think Vegas likes Vegas. They're they're big uh, they're big fans of themselves. So does <laughs> so does Macau. So it's not just a hometown bias. The I think you're right though. The divisional thing probably plays a role. And then also look, Vegas they're they're quants, right? Like. Fundamentally, they're looking at reams of data, the best publicly available data, some privately available data too, and there is some skepticism on what the Canucks have accomplished based on their underlying profile and based on the fact that you know their their shooting percentage is the highest in the league, five on five. Their save percentage is also top four. You know, I, I mean, I think the fact that Vegas has not a fade position on the Canucks, they they believe them. They certainly see them in a, in a class like the difference. You go from Vancouver to Nashville, who are the next closest oh, yeah. odds, and you're going from seven to one to twenty five to one. Yeah, completely different. So they're putting them in a totally different class, but they're also putting them as the the team they least expect to win the West of the seven clearly playoff bound teams in the Western Conference. You know, I, I don't think you're wrong to interpret it as disrespect, but it, I think it's worth noting that like these aren't just takes 
from people like me or Dom, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. market itself believes that the Canucks are good, but not elite. And obviously Vegas thinks that the Edmonton Oilers will be getting into the playoffs and yeah. have a better chance to go deep into the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers will be getting into the playoffs. They're they're right. <laughs> uh, that's the whiteboard for today, December 21st. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.